good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we're broadcasting a message preached on the occasion of a funeral, a time when a family came together to mark the passing of one dearly loved. The Bible tells us that it is better to be in the house of mourning than it is to be in the house of feasting. That sounds strange to your ears, but it indicates the importance of considering our latter end. For the Bible tells us elsewhere that it is appointed unto man once to die. And so when we gather on the occasion of a funeral, it is an opportunity for us to consider our own standing before God. We have only one life to live. It will soon be past and only what's done for Jesus will last. And so I trust today that this message will be a blessing to all who hear. I'd ask you at this time to please turn your Bibles if you have one. We're going to read from the Psalm 92 and we're going to read from the verse number 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow up like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that we planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Let's just pray for God's help again. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you the word is always relevant in every situation in life. We thank you, Lord, we come this morning to reflect upon the glory that you have shown to us in the person and work of your dear Son. We pray that as we reflect upon the Word, that Christ would indeed have all the preeminence, that his name be glorified, and that all of our hearts be drawn unto him. Help us, O Lord, to attend to the Word. We pray, O Lord, that the Word would indeed have a resting place in our souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I think we would all say at this point that we have enjoyed a service that is to the glory of God. The child of God, when it comes to their funeral service, in many ways want very little attention drawn to themselves. I've heard this many times in pastoral ministry, those saints of God, when they're discussing the arrangements for their memorial service, it's often the comment, I don't want any fuss about me. I want the Lord to have all the glory, because that is the heart of the true child of God. It is not about self-promotion. It is about a time to reflect upon what God has done for them and in them for his glory. These services are, of course, a time for sorrow. There is in every heart the desire for one more time together, one more conversation, or as was said, just one more time to hear a prayer offered. 
These are truly times to sorrow. It is right and proper to, to grieve and express that sense of sorrow. And yet at the same time, there is great joy. And we've, we've sang some joyful hymns as we reflected upon the, the grace of God that saves a soul and carries them all the way home to heaven. That's what we're here to reflect upon. The gospel message of Jesus who saves his people from their sins. That's his name. He was called Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. And as I listen this morning and I'm heartened by the testimonies I think we can say that the words of verse number 13 are certainly true in the life of Mr. Danko. That those, he that was planted in the house of the Lord, he flourished in the courts of our God. And in many ways that is true more today than it ever was before. And so what you see in these verses, you see language and description and metaphor and simile. Now describe the flourishing of the righteous. Verse 12, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Poetic scriptures, drawing pictures with words to help us understand the nature of what God does in the life of his children. And there are just four very simple things that I want to draw your attention to regarding this flourishing. First of all, it is contrasted with the flourishing of the wicked. The righteous, verse 12, shall flourish like the palm tree. But that's not the first time that the word flourish has been used in this psalm. Back in the verse number 7, it refers to the wicked. The wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. In the Bible, there is a very clear division drawn between people in humanity. Every gathering, every congregation can be divided down the middle between those who are referred to as the wicked and those who are the righteous, those who are the saved and those who are lost, those who are in Christ and those who are out of Christ. The Bible's clear on that. We do not have the, the right to negotiate that in the Word of God. Rather, we must ask ourselves, on which side of the dividing line do we fall? Naturally, we are all lost. Naturally, we are all wicked in our hearts. And it's only by God's grace that we're taken out of wickedness into righteousness in Christ Jesus. And I'll say more of that uh, shortly. But one thing we must appreciate in our experience of life is that sometimes those who are out of Christ, those who are unsaved, unbelievers, they flourish in a sense. That's what it says here. They, workers of iniquity, do flourish. The word flourish is used four times in this psalm, actually translating three separate Hebrew words. And it is one of the great dilemmas of the child of God. Why do the wicked prosper? Or perhaps it may be your question today, why would you bother living your life for God? I can do just fine in this world without having the Lord in my life. Why would I want to live under what you might think to be the restrictions of obedience to Christ? You're here to reflect upon the life of a man of God and you may, you may say, well, what was it really all for? Well, let me be careful and warn you again that yes, there is 
in this scene of time, the potential for you to flourish and be very successful. You may do well materially. You may well indeed have a large family around you. You may know much prosperity. You may even be in good health for many, many years. But you must beware trusting your experience and ignoring the counsel of the Word of God. For what you see here in the language of verse number 7 is that the workers of iniquity do flourish, and the word that is used there speaks of a temporary flourishing. It is like the grass, weak and tender. What happens sometimes in the eastern lands is that uh, there would be uh, just some, uh, some grass that would actually grow on the top of the flat roofs. And for a time you would see a green tinge, and then the sun would come and it would be gone by the middle of the day. The temporary nature of this flourishing of the wicked. Flourishing for a little while. Temporary. And the same words are used in the Psalm 90 in the verse number 6 which says, In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. You see, there is a fundamental difference in the life and in the eternity of those out of Christ from those who are in Christ. There's a difference here. The flourishing of the righteous is not transient. It is not temporary. The flourishing of the wicked is temporary. And you have in the warning of the word of God, it shall, they shall be destroyed forever. It is my solemn responsibility as a pastor and a minister of God's word to give you the whole counsel of God. Most of you I've never met before. It may well be the case that most of you I will never see again. But I stand in the presence of God with an obligation to discharge my duty to your souls and to warn you again that though you may prosper in this life, if you are not in Christ, your eternity is lost and one of eternal destruction. He says, not a very upbeat message. But it's God's message. Because the Lord God of heaven does not want souls to temporarily flourish in this life, but it is the Lord's will that souls find Christ and find eternal life, not eternal destruction. And so this flourishing of the righteous is contrasted with the wicked. In the second place, it's compared. It's compared with these trees. And there are two that are mentioned in verse number 12. It's like the palm tree and it's like a cedar the palm tree was known for being firm and strong, but particularly for being of long continuance. It was a, a plant, a tree that lasted for a long, long time. The cedar, the cedars of Lebanon, verse number 12, they were known as the best, the tallest, the largest. And these were trees that were remarkable for their flourishing, for their success. And not surprisingly, the word flourish here is different from that used in verse number 7. It, it denotes this matter of sprouting and blossoming, blooming. It has a sense of horticultural success. Now, I want you to note, there are some ways in which we can compare the godly growth with these trees. Uh, first of all, the psalmist points out there is a planting. You see that in verse 13? Those that be planted in the house of the Lord. There is an origin to the tree. There is a beginning, a planting of a seed. 
If I can draw from that picture, it is a reminder to us that when someone comes to Christ, it comes because there's a beginning of God's work in their life. You don't grow into Christianity. You don't grow into faith. Faith comes because we are born again of the Spirit of God. And Jesus spoke, he's speaking to the religious man in John chapter 3, made it very clear, your argument may be with Christ, but it should not be with me. Or it says, you must be born again. That in of yourselves, you have no spiritual life. And any spiritual life we have is because God has worked in our souls. And there's a beginning to every child of God's walk with Christ. So you may be religious here. You may think yourself being a person of faith. But if God has not changed your heart, your, your religion, your faith may be like that of Nicodemus of old, to whom Christ said, you personally need to be born again. Notice where this beginning happens. It happens in the house of God. Those that we planted in the house of the Lord. Now the house of the Lord, that term uh, it's used both for the tabernacle in the wilderness in the Old Testament and also for the temple of Solomon. Uh, this is one of the Psalms that we're not told is written by David. Uh, of course, for David, it was a tabernacle experience. And for Solomon following, it was an experience in the structure of the temple. We read of Hannah in 1 Samuel 1. She went up to the house of the Lord. But what's important to note is that both of these structures, the tabernacle and the temple, they both point forward to Christ. The architecture, the furniture, every part was to point forward the, the observer to see the glory of the coming Savior, the Messiah. You will know in John chapter 1, Christ is said to be made flesh and dwell or tabernacle amongst us. And so the fulfillment of the tabernacle is in the person of Christ Jesus. And so in other words, for a soul to flourish, it must be planted in the right place. It must be planted in Christ Jesus. It is the language of the Apostle Paul to speak of being in Christ. That by faith we are united to Christ Jesus. And that is where our flourishing comes because we are in the right place. You can put a seed upon a piece of pavement and it will not grow. But here the sense is there's a need to be planted in the Lord's house, planted in Christ Jesus. And actually, if you were to go back sometime to 1 Kings chapter 6 and the construction of the temple, you will see reference to cedar wood and also to palm trees engraved. And trees in the Lord's house, indicating again that your only hope of flourishing in God's sight is because you're in Christ. Sometimes, and people come to a service like this and they reflect upon a man of God, a man of integrity, a man who was patriotic, a man who loved his wife and loved his family. And you, you think to yourselves, oh, those are good traits. It's about time I did better in my life. I need to engage in some personal reformation of character. I tell you, there is no flourishing unless you're first in Christ Jesus. You may improve your life externally, but to truly flourish, you must be in union with the source of all life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no true life outside of Christ. And so as I said from this place already today, it is the vital importance in your heart right now that you're in Christ by faith. You've come to trust in him. And he's your only hope and your only saviour. 
And so those who flourish, they are planted in the Lord's house. They also are those who put down roots. That's the sense of the cedar of Lebanon. There's, there's roots down deep. And the apostle would speak of Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith. That being rooted and grounded in love. The importance of being established in our faith. One thing I think I've experienced in the past week, listening to various accounts and testimonies, was of a man of God who had put his roots down deep in the Word. The true child of God understands that they will flourish when they're deep in the Scriptures. And again, I want to encourage you, perhaps you're here today and you're, you're reflecting upon a, a grandfather, a father, whatever relationship you may have, and you're reflecting upon it and you, you see a man to admire. Well, then take a lesson away with you and see that he was who he was because of his love for the Word of God. And he put his roots down deep and drank deeply of Christ in the Word. And that's how the child of God flourishes. And these trees, they also breathe. I know trees don't breathe the way we breathe, but you can, you can speak of it scientifically of the transfer of gases as, as trees breathe. And so we have it here. And it's there again in the verse number 13. They shall flourish in the courts of our gods. Now the court reference there again could, uh, could transfer the tabernacle or to the temple. Exodus 27 shows us the instructions given to Moses to, to build the courts, an enclosure surrounded by a fence. The court was the place for the people of God to gather in community. And her brother and his wife, they understood the importance of Christian community. The court, the place where the public could assemble to hear the word of God. The court's the place of public worship. Listen to the words of Psalm 96 in the verse 8. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Public assembly for the word. Public assembly for worship. The place where when the people came to the court and they came through the gate that speaks of Christ, they were confronted with the brazen altar, the place where the sacrifice was offered and atonement was made for sins. They saw that, not at the beginning of their Christian life, but continually when they sat under the preaching of Christ. And this is how the people of God flourish. They see the laver where they can wash themselves in the water of the word. And the child of God, the tree, flourishes in such an atmosphere. So again, I want to encourage you. Wherever you are today, perhaps you've come to faith in Christ, and perhaps you see your, your need to progress. I tell you, it is God's Word that the only way that we truly flourish in the life of God is by being part of a godly Christian community where Christ is exalted. Simple application with profound implication to our lives. That as part of God's people, we then flourish as part of God's assembly. And so this flourishing is contrasted with the wicked, is compared with these trees. And then we see it continues very quickly. It continues. And we've, we've heard that testimony today. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Well, we've heard the notes of that certainty as we reflected upon the testament of a man of God he brought forth fruit in old age 
know the shalls of the promise of God. There is no doubt here, no conjecture. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Not a temporary flourishing. Not like those seeds in the power of the sore that spring up for a while and then wither away. But the fruit of endurance in the life of a child of God. Note, there is fruit in old age. You're never too old to be of use in the service of Christ. Oh yes, your natural vitality may change, but we praise God that those whom he saves, he keeps and he makes them useful in every generation. I was asked to refer to one other psalm in the course of this message, and I'll do so now, because the fruits of our brother's life is a fruit that is manifest in the testimony of grandchildren who speak of their own faith in Christ. And so one generation shall praise thy works to another. Psalm 145 in the verse number 4. There's a passing on and a fruitfulness in older age is a fruitfulness seen in the vitality of grandchildren who have given their lives for the same Savior. And so, dear grandchildren today, have you come to know your grandfather's Savior? I feel very confident that his prayer, if he was reflecting upon this time before he passed, his prayer would be that his children, his offspring, would once more hear the gospel and come to know Christ. And in old age, he would even have that fruitfulness, that service for Christ. They are fat and flourishing. Oh, to be spiritually obese, to be fed of the good things of the Word of God in old age. It's like the tree. It gets wider with age. And so it is for the child of God. They grow and they mature in their understanding of the gospel. And so you, you get a testimony like we heard tonight. He prayed with vigor in his older age because he knew his gods. This is what grace does. Grace is not an insurance policy for heaven. It is rather the substantial, the radical work of God's grace in someone's life where they're changed. And that change develops and matures to the point that it is perfected when they shall see him face to face. You will note they are flourishing. They shall be fat and flourishing. It's not a different word for the word flourish. This speaks of literally being green. It's a picture of the deciduous trees and in, in fall, the leaves change color. Here, the child of God, their, their leaves don't change color. They're green when they die. We, we see the natural frame withering. We experience it in, in, our own, in our own lives. We see it in the mirror day by day. And you've seen it in the life of your loved one. There's a, a withering of the mortal flesh. But his soul was green. As he leaves this scene of time and goes to be with his Savior. And the glory that he enjoys now is a glory of someone who is flourishing in the presence of the Savior. And you see, notice we close that all of this is confirmed by the character of God. The righteous shall flourish, verse 15, to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. You see, up to now, I haven't really spoken about this word righteous. Does it mean that you're a good person? Well, in part, it has that sense. 
But to be righteous in the word of God is to be righteous when compared with the standard of God's law. And the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. But the same Bible tells us that Christ came as the just one, the righteous one. And as Christ came into this world, he came to bleed and die on a cross for sinners. And he came to live in this world to perfectly obey the law of God. So he is the just one who dies for the unjust to bring us to God. And so the great message of the gospel is that we in and of ourselves are unrighteous, but we are righteous in Christ Jesus as we are given the gift of his righteousness when we come to believe the gospel. And so as we stand in the presence of God, though we of ourselves are unrighteous, in his sight we are righteous, not because of ourselves, because of the work of his Son. And the reason that Romans chapter 8 can be read this day and nothing can separate the child of God is because the child of God is righteous in the sight of God. And a righteous God cannot send the righteous to a lost eternity. But the righteous God keeps the righteous for all eternity. So those who come to know Christ, they are not lost, they are kept, and thus they shall flourish. And so once more, I appeal to your souls today. I, I do not know where you stand in the presence of God today. But you're either righteous or you're unrighteous. You're either still in your sin's nature or else you've come to know Christ. And if you know Christ, then you have the glorious prospect of being in the presence of a righteous God who will not let you go. And as he kept your loved one, so he can keep you saved by grace, kept by grace, glorified by grace. To God be the glory alone. I commend my Savior to you afresh today. He is worthy of your love. He is worthy of your affection. And if you will have him, he will not ever, ever cast you out. This is a glorious gospel. And we are here focusing upon one individual's experience of that gospel. But the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that includes you. And may God be pleased to encourage your hearts and to bless his word to your souls today for his name's sake. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170. That's 610-993-3170. Or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.